In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children. On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise. Hi, it's good to have all of our viewers with us today. Uh, as it turns out, Alice and I are pre-recording a bit early and Cindy's not able to be with us. So we've had a mixed up week this week, haven't we? Cindy's not feeling well and that's bothered us, concerned us. But uh, we are so glad to be able to come to you today and to discuss this subject. Allison, I'll let you take it away. Yes, today we're going to talk about being still, which is not one of my best qualities, right? Um, I It was funny because I was asked to speak on this at a, a ladies conference and I was like, have y'all met me? <laughs> and I think it was really good for me to study this for me personally, because it's not one of my best traits. Um, but I want to start off with a story about being still. So um, in my story, it's important that you know I was in middle school. Okay, so you have to divide by the middle school factor, right? But it's also important that you know it was my turn. Okay, yeah. so my family and I, we were wakeboarding out behind our house in the lake. And um, my sister got up and thought she was going to go first, right? Or it, Well, it wasn't first. She was going to go in my turn, right? Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about sibling rivalry and being in middle school, if your sister goes in your place when it's your turn, the entire universe as we know it will implode, right? Absolutely. That's just yes. what happens. So it was imperative that she not go. So I remember her trying to push past me and I jumped up and I pushed past her and well, I have conveniently forgotten exactly what it was that I said to her. Right. But it was really good, whatever it was, because like her hair lit on fire and she was livid and I jumped into the water and I was like, what? I can't hear you. I have water in my ears. What? I can't hear you. Right. And I swam out to the board and I like triumphantly climbed up on top of it. And when I looked back at the boat, my sister was talking to my dad. Okay. And I was like, I cannot believe she is has the nerve to tell on me. But she wasn't telling on me. She was asking to drive the boat. Oh, right. Yes. So I am now aware that I am going to die. Right. My sister is going to kill me. This is like terrible. So she takes off the boat at like Mach 7, right? And we're just tearing off and I am holding on because, you know, I can't let my sister win, right? Oh, no. yeah. So I'm holding on for dear life. And she does this thing where if you know anything about boarding, boating, behind the boat is this wake, mm -hmm. right? And so when you turn around, the boat goes da -dum, da -dum, over the wake. But when the board comes, it's like a ramp of doom. So you literally 
I vaulted up so high that the rope actually went taunt and the board jerked out from under me. And I was like suspended in air like a cartoon character with my legs dangling, right? And we were going so fast that I spun across the water over and over and over again when I hit it. And I like just when I came to myself, I started to swim to the surface, but I realized that I was completely disoriented and dizzy and I didn't know which way was up. And I cannot express to you the level of panic. Mm -hmm. I just remember screaming and I was just clawing at the water and kicking because I couldn't figure out how to get to the oxygen. And, and finally, as I'm screaming, I just say, okay, stop. And when I was still, I started to float to the top. Mm-hmm. And I knew, you know, and obviously I lived to tell the tale, right? <laughs> um, but it was only when I was still that I could get to that point. And I think our lives are a lot like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're presented with some kind of life happening that is, terrible you know we panic we kick and we scream and 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 we just absolutely freak out but that's the time that we need to be still and really truly listen to god so tell me miss highlight what what is that whole concept of being still what does that mean to you for me it means to to wait um in in situations life situations to pray to ask God to be with you, to to comfort you or to strengthen you. It means to look around, you know, either physically or figuratively, see what's going on, think how do you feel, what is the real situation, is there an emergency, is this something that you can think a few minutes about, Um, and just, just take your time to assess the situation. And to consider the alternatives, not to tell God what he needs to be doing right Right. now, (laughs) you know, to take your time, just, just give it a minute. I used to tell my classroom students, I'd say, just, you know, just give it three beats, just, just three beats. and, And before you respond, just wait a minute, you know, that, that's such good advice. Um, I, it's not my first reaction. That is not my go-to, oh, okay, mine is like, let's move. We're going to do this. And and I, I, I think it's something that we as Christians have to train ourselves to do. Um, and this kind of leads me to our text. Um, I want to read uh, the story where actually the phrase be still and see um, comes from. And that's in Exodus 14. And I want to read some of that. But before I read it, I want to kind of give you a little backstory. This is... Um, the children of Israel and Moses in front of the Red Sea. So if you back up 1875 um, BC, the Israelites encounter a famine. And so they all move to Egypt where there is food thanks to Joseph, right? Then 400 years later, the Israelites are the slaves of the Egyptians. And they become afraid of them because they start to multiply over and over again. And so the more they multiply, the more harsh the Egyptians are. Okay. So then Moses becomes their leader. There are, they try to leave. Pharaoh says, no, there are the 10 plagues. 
Um, Pharaoh still says no. Finally, the final plague, he says, okay, you can go. But at this point in the story, Pharaoh has changed his mind. Okay. So the children of Israel are sitting there in front of the Red Sea and Pharaoh has changed his mind. So I'm going to start reading Exodus 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 10. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us up out of Egypt? Is it not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, I have to stop in the story right here because this is fake news if there ever was fake news, right? I'm going to do a little fact checking. Yep. So let's back up to Exodus chapter one and um, verse 11 says, so they put slave masters over them, meaning the Egyptians put slave masters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. And it goes on to talk about how they were oppressed how the Egyptians um, dreaded them. And then verse 14, it says, they made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. And um, I know some of you have heard that they took the straw away from them because straw, when you're making bricks, makes the bricks lighter. It makes them dry faster. It just makes everything more difficult if you don't have straw. So continuing in verse 15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whose name was Shifra and the other Pua, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. So we're not talking about I missed my 15 minute coffee break. Harsh conditions. No. They were throwing their babies in the river. OK, mm -hmm. so this whole we said, leave us in Egypt. You know, and, and it's easy to make fun of the Israelites, but if we're honest, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Our sense of how we remember things, it all has to do, especially when we are panicked. It all goes back to that. So one of the things that I think, oh, well, let me go ahead and um, go on with the rest of the story. Let's continue in verse 13. It says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only be silent. Now this verse is translated multiple different ways that um, the new international version says you need only be still. New King James says, hold your peace. ESV says you only be silent. And the King James says, you shall hold your peace. So what was it that they had to do to let the Lord fight for them? Hush, be still, right? Once again, not one of my best qualities, but when you're panicked, you don't always behave this way. Mm -hmm. Now, the rest of the story turns out really well for the Israelites. They The water parts and they walk across on dry land. And then when the Egyptians go across, it closes over them and they all die. But... I want us to think right now and realize that these were real people with real feelings and emotions, right? And 
I just think if it were me standing there and there's no way out, there's, an, you know, the Red Sea in front of you, you're completely surrounded. There are mountains behind you and the Egyptians are cresting over that. When you feel that ground shake with the chariots and the horses, mm. you'd be calling for your mama sucking your thumb too. I mean, yep. you would be terrified. So what do you think would be so terrifying about this? I, you know, as a, a parent, I would be thinking about my children. We, we're, you know, either the Egyptians are going to just run them over and kill them, or I'm going to have to go into the ocean and, and hope to, you know, it just, it would just be, I think that would be my biggest uh, concern at that very moment. Yes. Try, how, what am I going to do about my family? How am I going to get my people, you know, the elderly, my, the young kids, how are we going to do this? You would just be, I think that would consume your thoughts mm -hmm. at that moment. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, it looked like there was no way out of this. But one of the things that really struck me when I was studying this story, it backs up in that same chapter, chapter 14. But when you read verses one and two, I want you to listen to that. It says, verse one says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and, and encamp in front of Pi-Hahithron between Middle and the sea in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. So how did they get to this place that they were completely trapped? How did they get there? Right? God had led them there. God put them there. Mm -hmm. And that just like blew my mind. I mean, I think sometimes if you're in a situation that your power, your intellect, you can figure it out, you're not going to give God the credit for that. It needs to be imminent death. And because otherwise you're going to think your strength, your power, your intellect, you figured it out. But this needs to be obvious. There's no way that you did this. And that is when we need to be still and be silent. Because I, I think the bottom line is we just, if we can't figure it out, how can God possibly figure it out? Which is ludicrous, I know. But sometimes we just don't trust him. So how, how do we fix that? How do we fix that? What are some Bible verses that encourage us to trust God? You know, uh, and this would be a wonderful thing for our viewers uh, yes. to put in the comments of uh, some Bible verses that teach us to trust in God. We would love to have you to add those comments in whichever, wherever that you're watching uh, this program, whether live on Thursday night or uh, later on, right. to write in those verses. One that I thought about uh, was Psalm 20 and verse 7. That fits here so well. Some trust in their chariots and their horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And that's a paraphrase of it. But the Egyptians, they were really trusting in those horses and chariots. Right. I mean, it looked, the way that it looked, you know, was bad. It looked bad. I love um, Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though mm. the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. 
Then verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So it's another be still, even Mm -hmm. though all this chaos is going around you. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, why do we get caught up like the Israelites and and only see the Red Sea? Why, why do you think that is? You know, when we're in a panic situation, when, when things look awful, we get such tunnel vision. We only see one thing. It's just right. like if you're in the midst of a holdup, all you see is the gun. You, you know, eyewitnesses over and over will say there was just a gun and we do have a tendency to get into that tunnel vision thing, which is why I always say expand, you know, look around. Uh, Panic attack is like that. I don't, I haven't experienced some, but I've talked with people that haven't, and you can only think of one thought and the way that they tell you to, to, to break that up is look around, look around. And uh, the Israelites were only looking at the Red Sea, and what are we going to do? They weren't looking at to God or even to Moses. Right. And, you know, they had just seen all those plagues. They had just seen the, the yeah. you know, the Nile River turn to blood. They had just seen the frogs and the locusts and all. And they, they had just seen that. Mm-hmm. And it's so, I mean, it's easy for us to sit in our warm little house where there aren't any frogs or lice, right? And be like, ooh, I can't believe that they did that, right? But I think that's a dangerous thought. I think we have to say, yeah, it's probably a good chance that we do that too. So Mm -hmm. we have to train ourselves Mm -hmm. to allow the Lord to fight for us. So what do you have? Let's give it, give us some advice for like when you are in that panic and it doesn't have to be panic, panic, immediate. I'm talking about one of those situations where it's like, I just can't get it off my mind. It's really Mm -hmm. bringing me down. I'm very worried about it. That Mm -hmm. kind of thing. What kind of techniques do you have to help us through that? Uh, Again, viewers, please add your comments uh, as well, because all of us together are stronger and, and we can really help one another through all this. The thing that I use may not help you, but your thing may help somebody else. So please add your comments. I love the songs. And there are so many songs that we sing that encourage us to trust. Of course, I always think of the old standard, trust and obey, uh, that really helps us with that. But there's one, and and you may know the name of it. I've heard it sung when the kids sing it, um, that uh, they that wait upon the Lord, uh, and, and it talks about trusting the Lord, that we wait for the Lord. So there are the songs that we sing are a real comfort to me and help me to think, okay, let me, you know, uh, standing on the promises or what was another one, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. So yes. those are, singing is one way that I slow down a little bit with myself. Okay. Since you said singing, I just love you so much right now. Thank you for saying singing. Okay. But I do believe that having a battle song that, okay, I'm in the trenches. I got to refocus my thoughts because once they start to spiral, you need to tamp that back down. Mm-hmm. And I love them. My It's the children's song. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And I, you know, it just refocuses Mm -hmm. your thoughts. So Mm -hmm. one thing that helps me um, is to realize who the enemy is 
and who our ally is in this battle, mm -hmm. right? And um, Ephesians 6, 12, Paul tells us who our enemy is. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We aren't wrestling against flesh and blood. And I think sometimes we see a gossiping neighbor or a person said something or this happened. That It's really important that we remember people are not your enemy. Mm -hmm. It The devil is your enemy. That is who's trying to create this chaos. Mm -hmm. And it is so important. Once you recognize, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. This person is not my problem. Once you recognize that helps me tremendously. This is the devil trying to get in here. And once you realize that your adversary is after you, I think that helps, you know, and um, <laughs> what's funny is like the world to fight the devil, you know, according to all the movies, all you need is like a crucifix and some holy water and, you know, they, right. ah, you know <laughs> but that's not true. <laughs> we need to know who our enemy is. So tell me some things that we know about the devil. You know, I was thinking, we always think the devil is so strong and there are many things he's strong about, but really he's, there's so much he doesn't know. He doesn't know the future. He doesn't know my heart. He doesn't know the strength that I have when God is behind me or with me. You know, he doesn't know that. He's just, you know, we call it shotgun sometimes. You know, he's just throwing stuff out there and right. open something will hit me because he doesn't, he doesn't know what God knows. And if he did, he'd quit. You know, well, that's so true. Um, the, the devil has those kind of powers of persuasion, but he's only got the power that we give him, that we let him in there. To me, I try to remember that the devil's not that strong. My God is stronger, way, yes, way stronger than the devil is. The devil, I think of God with the hurricanes and the tsunamis and earthquakes, and there's the devil coming as a roaring lion. Right. My God's got way yonder more. So, but but the devil will he'll work on us he'll give it a try as yes. best he can. So. I th I think it's one thing that's um, important to remember about the devil is that he's not obvious. Mm. You know, if you look at the story of Eve in Genesis three, always you know you always hear the best lie is the one that's the closest to the truth, right. and it appears, yeah. and he also appears to what you want to hear in the first place, mm -hmm. right? And he appears to be your friend. Look, I'm only looking out for you, Eve. If you eat this, you know, really, you're going to be super smart. And, and it's important to know that he just weasels his way in that mm -hmm. way, that he's not obvious. And I think a lot of times we're looking for an obvious attack and it's not that it, he just is not obvious that way. So, OK, there's our adversary. It's important to remember that the devil is the one that is our enemy. Mm -hmm. It is not anything else. It's not people, but it's also important to remember where your strength comes from or who is your ally when you're in, um, in a battle. So we've been going over the qualities of God the last couple of weeks. So what, what are some of the things that stood out to you? You know, I just think about how God is all powerful. Uh, you know, when we have him on our side, we're, you know, we're just, we're strong when he's with us, when he's, he's there, he knows 
everything. Uh, he, I, I love the thought of him stepping in and out of time. Here's, you know, here's time for us. And he's just in here, in and out doing for us. Uh, and he knows my heart. He knows everything about me. He knows the future, you, you know, and, and there's just so much. I think I've told you my story before about daddy and saying in the, the, the yeah. Westerns, the good guy's going to win. It's all in the script and God knows the script. That's right. Uh, and, and it's so, once again, when we're in a panic, if we can remember, okay, the mm -hmm. enemy, who the enemy is and God's going to win. None of this really matters anyway. Right. right. All that matters is us getting to heaven. All that matters is God and getting it's refocusing on what is important. If you want to just focus on one thing, like you were talking about with your gun, let's focus on that. Right. So um, I also want to say um, one, one of my favorite things, if uh, we talked, we talked about it already when I did the he is mighty and we talked about mm. the astronomy and how amazing our God is. So if you haven't already seen that flip back through a couple of episodes and listen to that, he is mighty. Um, it's, it's some astronomy. Um, but I also love the scripture, Proverbs three, verses five and six, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding mm -hmm. in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It just, once again, refocuses, okay, you're looking at the Red Sea, you're looking at panic here, but no matter what, you just focus on the Lord. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some Bible characters who really allowed God to fight for them, that they really um, were allowed to, to let God fight for them. They mm -hmm. trusted in him. I thought of Esther uh, because here this proclamation was that all the Jews were going to be, were, would be killed. And her and her and Mordecai's thought was, you know, their plan was to pray and then go in and talk to the king. And so she, God had to, you know, help her with the king to allow her to speak and not to be killed, right. you know. And so I think of of that, uh, you know, that God was going to fight for them and they just needed to make, you know, move it forward, I guess you would say, with the king. Right. Um, Hannah had this big disturbance with the other wife uh, and she prayed to God and God fought for her. And by giving her a child, uh, I think of that. Deborah, the judge, she told Barak, you come with me. God's going to give us the victory. And God gave them the victory. They went with a small army and God took care of it. Uh, God was, he was fighting for them in that sense. Uh, Moses's mother, she put him down there in the bulrushes and God took care of things. Right. Um, you know, and um, the midwives in Egypt that you mentioned earlier, they defied Pharaoh. He could have easily just said, we'll find some more midwives, you know, but God fought for them. God took care of them, you know, in the sense of fighting all the whole time that they went into the land of Canaan, God fought for them. Right. I, I also think about the story of David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. um, it, it defies logic. It defies logic. And what I love about David is that he ran towards Goliath, you know, and we've talked about that before, but that it defies logic. Like I said, it's just that's crazy. This guy is going to eat you. Right. <laughs> and he's like, nope, God's got this. He just fully 
trusted that hmm. God had it taken care of completely. So I, I just, and I, we want to encourage our viewers and listeners to make comments. If you can think of a Bible character that also trusted in God, I, I just think that, like you said, we're stronger together. I think it'll encourage a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, as you, I hope that if you look back on our text there in Exodus 14, I hope that our listeners feel a little bit better equipped to let God fight for them, to, to trust him, to know that he has got this and to refocus our thoughts, to remember who is our enemy and who is our ally. You know, we don't have any control over being presented with our Red Sea moment. You know, whatever that is for you, for everyone, it's going to be different. But we do have power over how we react to that, mm -hmm. how we respond to it. And we have to train ourselves. We have to make sure that I, for me, especially, I've said this, it is not my initial reaction. You know, are we going to kick and scream like I was under the water, you know? Um, or are we going to do like the Israelites? They like screamed at Moses and God and said, where, you know, are we, that's going to be our initial response. Are we going to do that? But it, it's hard to not react to what you're looking at. You know, but to remember that phrase, you know, we don't re wrestle against flesh and blood. What you're looking at is not what this is about, mm -hmm. not what this is about. And I think it's important for us to look at those Bible characters. I mean, if you think about David and Goliath, um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Hannah, you know, Deborah, all of these characters, it, it looked like imminent death. Shadrach, Meshach, Shack, and Abednego. I mean, think about it. It looks you're about to get burned up. Mm -hmm. And I think if it looked like they could get out of it themselves, then they would think it was their power. But these times where it looks like imminent death, these are our greatest triumphs. They are when God shines through and just we see that our God is powerful. Who would have thought, oh, well, I'll just part the waters and we'll walk across on dry land. No one, no one. His ideas, his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And when we rest in that, we can remember to be still. We can remember to trust him. It's so much easier than thrashing around under the water. I can tell you that. <laughs> but we just need to train ourselves mm -hmm. to be still and be silent and trust in the Lord. And that's so true. That's very true. And thank you, Allison, so much for bringing this lesson. I have enjoyed my little part in it. And it has been a pleasure to, to work with you on this lesson on being still and um, next Thursday evening, uh, if the Lord wills and Cindy is better, then uh, we will be talking about uh, time management techniques uh, that uh, kind of going along with our theme this month about time and eternity and, and how we can react uh, with different challenges that we have. So tune in next Thursday at eight o'clock for time management techniques that we'll talk about. Uh, be sure to tune in for Answering Religious Error on Tuesdays at uh, 8 o'clock. They're talking about keeping your head on straight, some wonderful lessons that the, the men are presenting there. And then on Wednesdays at noon, both of these are Eastern times, 
uh, when they are answering religious questions, wonderful discussions that they have. Thank you all so much for being with us uh, this evening. We appreciate our viewers being with us and uh, we wish you a wonderful week ahead.